0: But this morning we will be focusing on gospel-rooted families. What do gospel-rooted families look like? How can that be a part of my life? If you are here and you're a single person, young adult, and maybe you're you don't don't know how this will apply to you, I would just like to say let's apply these principles to our relationships. As you think about life, And as we journey through life, our lives consist of relationships. In our relationships, in those relationships, some of those are are deep and meaningful and very intimate. But at times in our lives, we have broken and hurting and, and very damaged relationships. What are the attributes in our lives? This morning, what are the roots that make up these relationships? That make them deep and meaningful. When I think about roots, the first thing that comes to my mind is is a tree. Some of your minds may go to a garden and your plants in the garden. But as you think about a tree or a plant, the roots, what are the purpose of those roots? Roots finger out through the soil. And they provide for the tree, they provide. They gather the water and the nutrients and the oxygen that is necessary for that tree to survive. It's an incredible system that God has created to supply the ingredients for the life of that tree. At the trunk of the tree, these roots are large in size, and as they grow out, they become small like fingers, very hair-like strands that, that absorb the water and the nutrients and the oxygen it is common for roots to extend out further than the the drip line. So if you look at a tree, the center of the tree, the trunk of the tree, the branches as far out as they extend is the drip line, but roots will go out even further than the drip line. A root system can extend out one to two times further than the height of the tree. Roots also anchor the tree to the ground. A tree can have from four to eleven main roots. And from all these other, from these main roots, all the other roots grow out of. I found it interesting, though, that it's not very, it's very typical for roots to, stand to stay in the top three to four feet of the soil. But they have found that roots will grow up to twenty to thirty feet in search of the necessary things for the life of the tree. Some trees will have a tap root, and so when the seed first germinates, the tap root will grow straight down. and it is from this tap root that all the other roots grow off of. I thought about the tap root. and how does that apply to our lives spiritually? The tap root of our spiritual life is our faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel. And from that root, all other roots of our lives spiritually grow out of that. And as I researched a bit more about the roots, the number one killer for trees is soil compaction. Roots are unable to receive the necessary water and nutrients, the oxygen that they need if the soil is compressed around them. And so what a challenge for me in my life, in our lives, as you stop and think Is there hard soil in my heart? Heart. Things that are hindering are holding me back from spiritually growing. This morning I would like to stop and take a look at what are some of the roots of the Gospel. As we look at relationships between the Father and the Son and also the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ, what are these roots that need to be a part of our lives, to supply the vital things that we need for the health of us spiritually, for the health of our families. Without these roots, we will become weak and sick and unhealthy. God uses family words when He's talking to us in the Bible. He talks about God being our Father, Jesus Christ His Son, and we are His children. While on earth, Jesus referred to God as His Father many times. And so I'd like to look at the qualities of of His relationship with the Father and also the qualities that Christ had as He walked on this earth with us, living among us, as He interacted with people and we as His children. What are the things that anchor us in our relationships in Philippians, Paul is writing to the church and he is encouraging them to be imitators of Christ. So it is from this passage I would like to, to read and I would like to draw from this and apply these to our families today. What are gospel-rooted families? Would you pray with me before we read Philippians 2, 1-11? Father, thank you uh, for this morning And Father, as we have gathered here in this place, I pray that our hearts would be open to to understand the incredible love that You have for us, to understand more fully the relationship that we can have in You. And Lord, as we we focus on Gospel-rooted families, Lord, I pray that You would open my eyes, that You would open our eyes, to see if there is anything in our lives that would hinder us from being strong and healthy in our relationship with you, but also in our relationship with other people, in our families, and in this church, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand as we read your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Philippians 2, 1-11, Look not, into, look not looking into your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to take, to use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, Looking at these first couple verses here in Philippians, Paul is giving us what I'm going to call our first root, the root of love. In the New Living Translation, it says it reads it this way. It says, Is there any encouragement from, from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, Loving one another. Being a child of God, being connected to Him, belonging to Christ in our families, do we demonstrate love? Is there love for one another? The other adjectives that are used here is, are our hearts tender and compassionate? There are many passages in the Bible that talk of the Father's love for us. They teach us how we should love, and I would just like to look at a couple of them. In 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us not love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live Through him. One amazing way that the Father has showed us His love is by sending His one and only Son into this world. Not only did His Son come into this world, if we read on in that passage, it says He came, Christ came as our atoning sacrifice, He came to die for our sins. God is love. And the love of God is very evident. It's very real. And we as children, we are called to love as well. How would you define love? How do we express love? To express love, I believe we can use words. And words are very important. And Christ on this earth, he showed and he demonstrated. He taught us how to love. He taught us what love looks like. But to love from our hearts is more than using words. It's very important that each of us hear the words, I love you, you're special. And to our children, that we can tell them, that we can look them in the eye and say, I love you, I care about you, I'm proud of you. Loving, though, requires an action, I believe. When Beck and I were dating, we were on a uh, long-term, well, I say long-term, it was a long-distance, I should say, um, relationship. She was about two hours away. But I wanted to show her my love. And so by doing that, I bought her flowers. I bought her roses. And yeah, while we've been married for 25 years, the roses haven't come quite as often. But I still want to express my love to her. I want to show that in actions. So today, what do we do? We can go out for a meal. We can do things together around the house. Just by doing things together uh, is a way of expressing love. To her. What about our children, our other people that are close to us? Do they know that we love them? Or is it in my life I'm too busy to express love to them, to demonstrate my love for them? Another passage that unfolds God's love for us is Ephesians 3. And it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray out of His glorious riches that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. The Gospel. It is Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, We become a part of the family of the Father. And it is through the Father's love that we are rooted and grounded. We are established in love. Do you stop and think about how incredible the love of the Father is? He did not spare His only Son. He gave Him to us as a sacrifice. Christ, how great is His love for us If we read on in this passage, it says of Christ's love, it talks of grasping us, for us to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ for us. There is another element, I believe, to love, for us to love from our hearts, and this involves our emotions. Am I able to look into the eyes of my family, into the eyes of my wife and my children, into the eyes of those who I love, Do I want to understand and to seek what is going on inside of them? Do I speak to their hearts? Do I connect with them? Because I believe to love is more than words. I believe it is using actions, and it's also our emotions. The second root I find here is serve. In our passage in Philippians, in verses 6 and 7, it says... It's speaking of Christ here. He, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Christ made Himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He chose to serve. That is our choice as well. Do we choose to serve? Do we choose to value others over ourselves. If you back up in our passage in Philippians, it says we are to consider others better than ourselves. Serving requires sacrifice. Serving also involves a surrendering of my will. Many verses in the Gospel talk of Christ and how He came to serve. He walked it out on this earth. He demonstrated it to us in the Gospel perfectly what is it for us to serve what does it look like for me to surrender and to sacrifice i believe one of the most incredible examples we have of christ is just in the hours before his death leading up to the crucifixion christ is at the last supper and what do we find him doing he's he's stooping and he's washing the disciples' feet that was the job of the lowest servant Christ was serving His disciples. And then as we move on to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing the cross was before Him, in Luke 22, we read, it says, He withdrew about a stone's throw from beyond them, and kneeling down, He prayed, Father, if You are willing, take this cup from Me. Yet not My will, but Yours be done. He is kneeling. His heart is in anguish. And he is praying to the Father. Knowing to surrender His will meant sacrifice. It meant giving His life up. Focus on what Jesus says here. He says, Not My will, but Yours be done. Is there a root of serving in our families? Are we willing to consider others better than ourselves Am I willing to wash the feet of my wife, of my boys, of our children? Am I willing to surrender my will, our will? To be perfectly honest, if I could go back 25 years ago, I pray that I would serve my family better. That I could surrender my will and my plans. That I would be able and willing to make sacrifices Do we make sacrifices for our family? Do we do the things necessary to surrender our will? I don't believe to make sacrifices, that doesn't mean that we just do everything that they want or we give them everything that they ask. But I believe it is valuing them. It is putting the others ahead of them, ourselves. It is looking at the big picture. What is the most important thing? Do I desire relationship with them? Relationship is what we all long for. It is what we've been created for. And as I look at Christ, God's own Son, how He came to serve and to surrender. He came to sacrifice His life on this earth, on the cross for me. He was willing to do whatever it took. Is there any cost too great for me? Is there any cost too great that God can ask for me as a family as an individual or us as a family to be able to surrender to serve to sacrifice in any way for the father root number 3 is humility and i believe humility as we serve i believe humility in serving our cousins if we serve my fa- if we serve our families then there is humility in our hearts Looking at our passage in Philippians, verse 8, it says, In being found in appearance as a man, he, Christ, humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What does humility mean? I believe it is the attitude of our hearts. In verse 5, it says we should have the same attitude of that of Christ. The definition of humility is freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality of or state of being humble. Pride and arrogance are the negative side, or the opposite of humility. And I think there are two types of pride. There is obvious pride, and that is when I focus on the things or my position in life. I believe there is also hidden pride, and that is turned inward, and that is when I focus on myself on what I, can have, or what I am, what I can have pity parties, and what I say about, what is being said about me. Just this past uh, week or so ago, there was a story, and maybe some of you heard this, and I think it demonstrates humility really well, and it was on Sunday, February 25th, 2018. The University of Iowa was playing Uh, Northwestern University in men's basketball, and there was a young man named Jordan uh, Bohannon. He was on the brink of making history to set a record for the school for consecutive free throws in a row. And with two minutes left in this basketball game, Iowa was only up by six in the game. The game was still in the balance. Jordan stepped to the line and made his first free throw to tie the school record. The record was set at 34 in a row. His second free throw, he intentionally missed. Why? Why did he intentionally miss? You see, the record was held at Iowa by a player named Chris Street. Chris was killed in a car accident in 1993 while he was playing basketball his junior year. Chris was killed while he was trying to extend his own record. When asked about missing the free throw after the game, Jordan looked at them and said, it wasn't my record to have. While Jordan never knew Chris, he got to know his parents. Even Chris's own dad was encouraging Jordan to break his son's record. Jordan said, life is much bigger than basketball. And talking to Jordan's parents, they said it was very clear to see Jordan's heart in all of this. A young man who showed humility. I believe pride is the original sin. Satan saying in his heart, I want to be like God. I want to be God. In James 4, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In Proverbs, there are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes are one of them. Another reference in Proverbs says, The Lord detests all proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Over the last number of years, I've come across a paper that gives us comparative statements between pride and brokenness. And as I read through that paper, When I'm truly honest, if I'm truly honest with you, I have found it very convicting and very humbling. It's really an assessment of the condition of my heart. And I'd like to read a few of these examples for you. Proud people are critical, fault-finding, have a critical and fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. Broken people are compassionate. They forgive much, because they know how much they have been forgiven. Proud people have an independent and self-sufficient spirit, but broken people have a dependent spirit, and they recognize their need for others. Proud people have to prove that they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people keep others at arm's length. Broken people are willing to take willing to risk getting close to others and to take risks of loving intimately. Proud people are unapproachable and defensive when criticized. Broken people receive criticism with a humble and open spirit. Proud people wait for others to come and ask for forgiveness when there is misunderstanding or conflict in relationships. While broken people take the initiative to be reconciled, and when there is misunderstanding and conflict in their relationships, proud people are blind to their true heart condition. Broken people walk in light. These are just a few examples from that paper. And if you would like that list of, on that paper, you can ask me. i would be happy to give you that afterwards. But as a dad, as a husband, as I read through down through that page the Holy Spirit brought deep conviction to my heart. And as I look back over the years of my life, I would have to say I had a proud heart. And that was evident to my family as well. And honestly, still today, I need to go in confession, in repentance of my pride, and say, Lord, humble me. I need your forgiveness. What is the attitude of our hearts is my attitude, is our attitudes the same of Christ Jesus? The last root I want to look at is forgiveness. It's root number four. This characteristic is not specifically mentioned here in our passage, but I believe it is at the heart of the gospel, and that is forgiveness. At the end of verse 8, it says, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. It is by the cross that we have forgiveness. Jesus showed us forgiveness on the cross after being whipped, being spit upon, being rejected, being beaten, being mocked. And these are just a few of the words that could be used in a list of words. But Jesus was led out to be crucified. And in Luke 23, it says, when they came to the place called the Skull, They crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. For me today, do I extend forgiveness to the people closest to me, to my family, to you as brothers and sisters here at the church? Am I a forgiving person As a follower of Christ, I am called to forgive. Sometimes the people closest to us hurt us the most, and they can be the hardest people to forgive. But Jesus calls us to forgive. Jesus tells us we need to forgive. In Matthew, there's a parable, and Jesus is talking about a servant who owed a great debt, and he was unable to repay that debt. And the servant is begging the king. He says, "Give me time so I can repay the debt." And the king forgives him. He completely forgives the debt that he owed. The servant goes out and he finds another servant, a fellow servant, and he grabs him and he the servant owed him a few dollars in comparison to his debt. And he says, "Pay me back what you owe me." It's just a few dollars in compared the servant asked for, for, for time, he asked for grace, but the wicked servant refuses to forgive. And it says the king called the wicked servant back in. And it says in anger, he said he turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he made full payment. At the end of this parable, Jesus says in Matthew 18, this is how My Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. This used to be one of my biggest struggles in my heart. There was things in my past. There was hurts, there were struggles in our relationships, in my relationships, that I held on to. I tried to stuff them down and I tried to move on in my life. But those things that I stuffed down, and as I tried to move on, they kept coming up. And what happened to me was I became an angry and bitter person. I couldn't be set free until I let go of those things, until I forgave. What is forgiveness? I believe forgiveness is, is when I say I am willing to pay the price. I'm willing to set you free. I'm willing to pay for the emotional pain that you caused me. You owe me nothing. Whenever we forgive, there is a price that is paid. And Jesus was our example of that forgiveness. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his life for ours. I believe for forgiveness has to come from our hearts. And for us to forgive from our hearts is being for us to be willing to pay for that emotional pain that that person has caused me and to set them free. And so today, I would ask that you examine your relationship. You look into your family and the relationships you have with people. What are the roots of those relationships? What are the anchors of them? Is there love and forgiveness? Or has a root of bitterness crept into your life? Am I humble? Am I willing to serve, to surrender, and to make sacrifices? The good news of the Gospel is God our sins paying. I pray that in our lives and in our families the root of love, serving humility and forgiveness, that they would grow and that they would be the anchor of our relationships. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I thank you for your your great love. And Father, you have demonstrated that love to each of us. An amazing way. Lord, as we look back at the cross, Your love was there. In Your Son, Jesus Christ, Your love is there. And Lord, I pray that You would teach us how to love, that love would be a part of each of our lives, a part of our families, that we would be rooted and established in love. And Father, I pray that we would also have a heart of serving a heart of surrender, a heart of a willingness to give ourselves to You and to each other to serve. And Father, may we be humble. May we be broken. May this be the attitude of our hearts. Lord, also I pray that we would have forgiveness. Lord, would You speak to our hearts? Would You show us if there is any place of unforgiveness that we harbor. Lord, thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, may our lives show and demonstrate these qualities to each other and to the world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.